Lord God, we ask by the power of the Holy Spirit you come among us right now and reveal yourself through your word. And Lord, we just thank you for this day of all days of the year. We rejoice with the angels that you are our newborn king. And I ask, Lord, that's exactly who we would see you for this night. And that you would take our minds and that you would think through them. Take my lips and speak through them. Take our wills and bend them to your will. And take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you and for your son, Jesus Christ. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's an Advent and Christmas tradition in my home that Kimmy and I, later at night, will sit around with a beverage or two. Uh, by the Christmas tree, we have a train going around the tree. It's an Amtrak passenger train. It's lit up. It's quite nice. It's like watching fish, you know. You just kind of, it's therapeutic. It's really quite wonderful. And, you know, after a while, you start to get rather profound or not. And so the other night, Kimmy was just sitting there, and she looked over. We have a manger scene on the coffee table by the tree. And uh, she pondered at it and looked, and I go, what are you thinking, honey? And she goes, you know, if it had been three wise women, it would have turned out a lot better for Jesus. I said, what are you talking about? She goes, well, if it had been women, number one, they would have asked for directions, and they would have gotten there on time. Two, since they've gotten there in time, they would have helped with the delivery and not put the baby in the feeding trough and made sure that didn't happen. And three, they would have brought three practical gifts. <laughs> you know, practical is something Christmas really is when you get down to it. And we've all heard the text that Bob just read, right? When I was a kid, I thought it was the gospel according to Linus. <laughs> Linus said it every Charlie Brown Christmas since 1965, right? And so, oh, Linus has got, that's what Christmas is all about. Good for you, Ly. Um, all of a sudden, I realized uh, Linus didn't make that up. It's from Luke. And Luke wants some things for us to know that, quite frankly, are very practical as we walk out of here tonight to celebrate Christmas. Luke is writing to a patron named Theophilus. We have no idea who Theophilus was, but he writes in chapter 1, verse 4, these things to Theophilus, that Theophilus may have certainty of the things he's been taught. Theophilus is a follower of Jesus, wants to make sure that we get the story right, so Luke being Paul's comrade, goes along with Paul, interviews the disciple, and writes this for Theophilus, and for the first century reader, and for us, that we too may have certainty that this is real. It's true, and we can trust it and count on it. And it's fascinating, the recording that Luke gives with the angels talking to the shepherds. And there's some great truths in the angels' words to them that I think will help each and every one of us. The shepherds are the lowliest, most despised workers in all of Israel. Nobody wanted to be around them. They smelled. They, weren't, they, they probably couldn't hold much of a conversation because they were out with sheep all day, if you know what I'm saying. And the reality is they were absolutely despised. And notice the angels didn't go to Augustus, the emperor, did he? The angels didn't go to Governor Quirinius. The angels came to shepherds who, 
it was probably May, June, or July because it's too warm in Israel at that time of year to have your flocks out during the day, so you take them out to graze them at night. See, Christmas is not merely December the 25th is the day we celebrate Jesus' birth. No, we need to celebrate why he was born today. As the church replaced the Roman festivals and the Romans with a godly, more godly, Christ-centered calendar, we decided to replace the winter solstice with the coming of the Lord Jesus and the Christ Mass. And so we have here tonight these words from the angels given to these shepherds. For behold, I bring you good news of a great joy which will be for everyone. For today in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So we're going to look tonight at good news for everyone that brings great joy. And Savior and Lord. First of all, the angels say, this is good news. When's the last time you turned on cable news and had good news? Right? No, they're bringing good news, and the Greek word is evangeliomai. It means it's the news that would be brought back from the front. It would travel with the herald to bring back the news of the battle so that everyone would know exactly what happened. And this is good news for all people, for God is revealing himself. You never have to ask from this night forward, does God exist? Because the Bible says he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, meaning he was there at creation. And the reality is Jesus truly came as one of us. He's revealing himself. He's the fulfillment of Isaiah 9. The people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the angels are announcing that this is the fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 9. He's bearing, this child is bearing undiminished deity. And so it's not just for them. The second point, it's for everyone. And as you trust in it, it brings us great joy. This good news of a great joy. Joyfulness is cheerfulness and a calm delight despite my circumstances. It's not happiness. Happiness is involved with our joy often, but it's not the same thing. Happiness is circumstantial. For the shepherds and for us, we can know this great joy, and that's good news. Because for some of us, this Christmas is hard and we hurt. And some of us are having it pretty good. But the point is, no matter where we are, we can have this joy. And that's why this matters. Because he is not just Savior, he's also Lord. He's both. He can't be one without the other. Savior meaning he's our rescuer. Because we all have a God complex. We all want to be God and run our lives the way we want to run them. And therefore, we need someone to come rescue us from ourselves and to escape the coming judgment for those who refuse to follow Christ. Because that way, you have your own self-righteousness. And the only people God judges harshly are those who are self-righteous. Or we can wear Christ's righteousness by trusting in Him and Him alone. And so when we think of our sa- Him as our Savior, there's always those people in an assembly of our size that think, I'm, I, God, I'm too bad. 
I'm far gone. It's, it's over for me. And the Bible says in Jeremiah 31, 3, No, you are loved with an everlasting love. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, He numbers the hairs on your head. And He loves you so much as He would go to the cross for you. And then there's those who would say, Well, you know, I'm not that bad. I'm a good guy. I cheat on my taxes a little, but I've never really stolen anything, you know? People start to put up the checklist, right? We all know people that are kind of like that. My question for that person is, well, you know, you've, you've probably achieved a lot. That's good. You know, you have a nice home. You have your trophy wife and your 2.5 kids, according to the U.S. Census Bureau. That's awesome. I feel sorry for that half a kid, but that's the way it is. And... My question to you is, where'd you get your giftedness? Where'd you get your intelligence? If you were in Nigeria, you probably wouldn't say these things. Because you wouldn't have advanced as far as you have because we live in a culture which is the most blessed land materially in the world. And if you say, yeah, I, I believe that I got here all on my own. Well, that's naturalism. You believe that you got here all by chance and you made it all yourself. Well, you can believe that if you want, but your naturalism can't explain ultimately how we got here because it's all chance. Your naturalism can't explain evil. Your naturalism can't explain morality, and your naturalism can't explain destiny, and Christianity does. Because in Christ, we're created in the image of God. And there is a meaning that each and every one of us, every single one of us have gifts to offer, not only for the blessing of the world, but for his people. And not only that, we're called to live a life that doesn't look like the world. And there's a joy in walking in that life with Christ, who empowers me by the Holy Spirit to live this life, and yeah, he asks us to do some things that don't necessarily make sense, and you see that throughout all the scripture, but there is joy every single time you follow his plan and not our own. And ultimately, when we trust this baby boy who grew up to die upon the cross for each and every one of us, we have a destiny awaiting us. Jesus said, for this reason I came, that they may have life and have it abundant. That's something we possess now forever a long time and so my friends that's good news and we can only have that savior if we also trust him as our lord that means king our ruler i live my life his way not my way and i will find that's where true satisfaction is found because they're always chasing the next thing i have some friends they always have to get a car every three and a half years because they got to go on, a, they got to go on another vacation. The, the, it's the fifth one this year, man. You always got to get out of the clouds, man. I got pasty white English skin. I'm built for this weather. <laughs> you know, this is awesome. I love Cleveland, and the Brownies are playing good football. You know, that's a miracle. <laughs> but the point is, when we have a king like this, our joy skyrockets every time throughout Luke's narrative. Those who are rejoicing the most are those who are recognizing Jesus as Lord in their lives. 
And this reminds us that confessing Jesus Christ as Lord will always increase our joy. And this is important because there's always some of us who are here tonight who would say you believe in Jesus, but deep in your heart you really feel that the way to happiness is for you to remain the Lord and Master of your own life. That if you retain the sense that, in, that you are the one that's in control, that will make you truly happy. So although you would say you're a Christian and say that you believe in Jesus, you know you're holding back from putting your life entirely in his hands, and therefore he's not Lord, therefore he's not Savior either. And so, my friends, I want to encourage you to be like the shepherds. The shepherds' response is, with haste, they went to see the baby. That means, I, I think they left their sheep in the field. Right? You guys watch yourselves. I'm gone. You know? And they went to see him and to worship him. For the true gift of Christmas that we celebrate this night is that we have salvation in him. And we can know him for who he is, our Savior and our Lord and our God. Because he is the fulfillment of what Isaiah 9 says, God with us. And I want to give us an opportunity to respond a little differently than we've done in the years past. In 1986, Michael Card wrote a song entitled Emmanuel. The first line goes like this. And you'll see in your bulletin after the sermon, the message entitled Meaning for Life, you're going to see the chorus. And I'm going to teach you the chorus. And if you know you haven't made Jesus your ruler, your Lord, I'm going to ask you to sing with me. If you don't sing, lip sync. If you don't lip sync, just smile and hum it. All right? My point is... This is a way for us to repent and believe. And for the believers, we rejoice that he's Emmanuel with us. And for those of you who want this satisfaction, you want this peace, you want this joy, I want to encourage you to sing along with me because this song is exactly what Isaiah 9 pairs with Luke 2. The first verse goes like this. A sign shall be given. A virgin will conceive. A human baby bearing undiminished deity, the glory of the nations, a light for all to see, and hope for all who will embrace his warm reality. That's what I'm begging you to do tonight if you never have. Embrace his warm reality because he's God. And therefore, we bow and we worship. And the chorus goes like this. Emmanuel, our God is with us. And if God is with us, who could stand against us? Our God is with us. Emmanuel, try that with me one time. Emmanuel, our God is with us, and if God is with us, who could stand against us? Our God is with us, 
Emmanuel, for all those who live in the shadow of death, a glorious light has dawned for all those who stumble in the darkness. Behold, your light has come. Sing Emmanuel. Our God is with us. And if God is with us, who could stand against us? Our God is with us, Emmanuel. So what will be your answer? Will you hear the call? Of him who did not spare himself, who gave him for us all. In him there is no danger, there is no depth nor height. Can ever separate us from the love of God in Christ. Emmanuel, our God is with us, and if God is with us, who could stand against us? Our God is with us, Emmanuel. One more time, let me hear it. Emmanuel, our God is with us, and if God is with us, who could stand against us? Our God is with us, Emmanuel. Lord Jesus, if you had not limited all your majestic greatness into the cramped quarters of human nature, we could not know the limitless power and privilege of being your children. If you had not blind, been blind in the womb, we could never have had the scales drop from our eyes as has occurred in our lives this night. Lord, if, if you had not come to die, we could never have received endless life. If you had not been torn, we could never have been mended. And now, Lord Jesus, we ask you to forgive us for not trusting you fully as Savior and Lord, and for not loving others as you have loved us at Christmas. Forgive us for not quieting the fears of our hearts with the knowledge that how you have loved us at Christmas. And now, Lord, let us adore you for the gift that you are. For you, Lord Jesus Christ, are our hope, our health, and all of our life. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.